Welcome to the Newberry Tart Podcast. Your hosts, Marcy and Jenny, are talking their way through Newberry award-winning books, past and present. Hi, and welcome back to the Newberry Tart Podcast. I'm Marcy. And I'm Jenny. And today we have a special guest. Lily. (laughs) We have my daughter Lily with us today, and we are going to be talking about Millions of Cats by Wanda Gogg. So this is actually a really cool book because it's actually the oldest American picture book that's still in print, published 1928 and a Newbery Honor in 1929. And if you look at her Wikipedia author picture, her hair is very elaborate. It almost looks like a little hat. It's so 20s. It's great. (laughs) And in lieu of a citation today, we'll let Lily give a description of what happens in the book. All right. So Lily, what happens in Millions of Cats? So, a old woman and a old man want a pet. So, he, the woman sends the old man out to find a cat, and he finds a whole hill of cats. And so. He can't pick one, so he keeps finding one, ones that he likes. So he eventually just picks all of them. And there's so many, right? Yeah, there's like hundreds of cats, no thousands of cats, like millions and billions and trillions of cats. <laughs> On the way back, the cats said that they were thirsty, so they saw a pond, and, and each cat took a sip, and the okay. whole pond was gone. And then later, her, her, they were hungry, so they each took a patch of grass, and then the whole field was gone. <laughs> and when they got back to the house... Um, the woman, the old woman said, how are you going to feed them and how are we going to fit them in the house? And the old man and, and told the woman that he didn't think of that. Well, so how did they decide to choose a cat? Because they only need one. Yeah. So while they were inside, the cats ate each other up. Do you know why they ate each other up? They told the cats to decide which one of them was the prettiest, and that's the one that they were going to keep. And yeah. all, the, all the cats thought that they were the prettiest, didn't they? Yeah, and then so they ate each other up, but then there was only this one little kitten who had hid in, in the grass, so they chose it. And, and it was kind of scrawny at first, right? Not super pretty, actually. Yeah, and then they, they just realized it was so nice. <laughs> And it was the only cat they had, so they picked it. What do you guys think of this book? I think it's cool because there are thousands of cats, and there's like a cute little kitten. It was so funny that the cats ate each other up, but like every time they ate, ate a patch of grass or sipped from the pond, they ate or drank everything. And I really think cats are nice. So. Jenny, what do you think of this book? Um, so I, at first, I, it'd been, you know, it's been a while since I've read it. And at first I was 
thinking, oh, I must have confused this with the cat who went to heaven because I was like, this is actually really cute and like really sweet. And then they started ravaging the land and uh, they started (laughs) and then they had the competition, which ended in the meeting each other. And that was scary. And I was like, that's why I remember not liking this that much. And it's scaring me. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I kind of, I felt like my impression of this book was not the greatest, but then when I read it, I had kind of the same experience you did. It's been a while since I read it. And I was like, oh, this is great. You know, it's got the sort of classic folktale format and really cool tone. But then, yeah, the part where the cats started fighting over who was prettiest and then ate each other up was a little bit off-putting. But obviously it sounds like it's not to our younger reader. It was exciting. So that's good. Yeah. Lily, was that scary when the cats ate each other up? Sort of, but basically I thought it was weird. (laughs) (laughs) Like if, if all the cats ate each other up, like how could there not be any left except for that kin? Like, If there were, like, so many cats eating each other, if one cat, another cat, and that cat got aimed by another cat, wouldn't there at least be one other cat that's not the kitten who hid? Wouldn't there be, like, a different cat? Well, maybe that cat was not telling the truth. Maybe that cat didn't hide. Maybe that cat ate all the other cats. Oh, no. (laughs) Why would it be so um, small? That's true. That's true. Yeah, so it must have, like, maybe the last two cats, they might have ate each other up at the same time or something. So that way, like. But you're right. Something should be left. So I think, I think, yes, there should have been some foof, like some cat foof somewhere. Yes. So that's. Like fur, at least. Yeah. yeah. That's how we know it's a fake tale, and folk <laughs> tales are basically fantasy. Yeah, they are fantasy. I think for me, I think the reason, you know, I think you can look at it as he was small. The little, the little one that survived was really small. So, like, maybe he was in, like, a little dip of grass or, like, behind a little rock and was really smart and knew, like, this is my chance to be safe and, like— hid or and or you know with fantasy and with with folk tales a lot of times there's a message and like there's symbolism so you could say that this was him not being found and him being the smallest has a little bit to do with kind of like the meek shall inherit the earth that idea of if you're good and small and quiet you still will have good things yeah which is also seems not exactly the the modern message for kids lit, but like, you know, late 20s, that makes total sense. Mm-hmm. Lily has a special interest in folktales like we were talking about, but it's interesting that I previously didn't necessarily think of this book in that way. But then I looked up, like, every definition of folktales that I can find is so exactly what this story is. So I looked around, and it turns out that this author's family were immigrants from Bohemia, and they really grew up in the tradition of oral folktales. And so this story, a lot of people think, was sort of like a mishmash of the folktales from her childhood put together into a book. So it actually did start in the really traditional way of like an oral story passed down through a family. I found this really cool website actually that is, it's by a a librarian named Amanda Reichner from the Cincinnati Library, millionsofcats.weebly.com. But it is like a, 
not a deep dive, but like a, a good exploration of this book as a literary folktale. And when you get to the bottom, it says, most critics believe that Millions of Cats is a product of Wanda's mature imagination is an and is an original story based on a synthesis of folktales simmering since early childhood. It is said that Wanda invented the story for the children of friends she was living with in New York in the early 20s. She perfected it through frequent retellings as it was begged for again and again. So it, it's interesting to me that you can take like an oral repetitive story that's told to children. So you have like a legit folktale beginning. It gets turned into... At the time, by far the most popular picture book, like really kind of the first American picture book that innovated in lots of ways. Like this was the first advent of of the double page spread, for instance. And then <laughs> it continues to get passed on in a formalized word of mouth through the Newberry. I just think it's interesting that they sort of like evolved the folktale procedure. <laughs> yeah. No, that's really interesting. I'm I'm confused about the mature imagination. Agreed. <laughs> I don't, I'm not sure if I understand what that is, but sure. <laughs> sure. <laughs> also a part of it being a folktale and fantasy is that like when the cats said they were thirsty and hungry and like, how did they talk to the man? Yeah, well, if you've ever had a kitty, they may not use words, but they tell you. They let it be known. Oh, yes. Like, most of the stuff in the beginning, like, proves to me that this author had cats because every way that she describes cats is so true. And even, like, going to try and choose a cat and, like, oh, that one's perfect. Oh, that one's perfect. Oh, that one's perfect. Like, that seems very true, too. Yeah, that sounds like she knew a lot of cats. And... I can understand that he can't just choose one cat. Like, there's thousands of cats and kittens. So, like, how could he just choose one? Well, if they're trying to pick the prettiest one, how would you do that? Because don't you think that everybody's idea of the prettiest cat is different? Yeah, to me, yeah, I think that my mom would like a black cat. And I would personally like a gray little kitten with white and black. Well, so that explains why these cats might be fighting over who's the prettiest, because everybody's idea of who's the prettiest is totally different. Yeah, like Mama likes black cats. I like Siamese cats a lot. But yeah, I do like black cats. Jenny, do you like cats? Are you allergic? I love cats, but I am very allergic. Yes. Um, so I really enjoy looking at them and seeing them, but I can't touch them if I want to stay in the place that I'm at for longer than a few moments. Oof. So that stinks, but, you know, it is what it is. But I, I've always wished that, or I've wished in recent years that I wasn't allergic and I could get a really big, giant cat, doesn't matter what color, and I would name him Tuba. Oh, I love it. That's a great yeah. name. <laughs> and if I had a cat, I would name it Kiki. Mm-hmm. 
So a couple just like fun facts. She used her own two cats as the models. So when she was drawing the picture, she looked at her cats to make them as realistic as she could. Um, Her brother hand-lettered the whole thing, which I think is kind of cool. Do you like the art? Do you like the art in this book? Yeah, like it does a lot of shading. Mm -hmm. It does texture and stuff. And it does in black and white. So there are little flowers and like it. It was, it was like a really detailed beard on the old man. Yeah, there is a detailed beard on him. The um, the author, I found out that her favorite illustration is the one right down the center. Let's see if I can find it, where the man is carrying the cats. I think it's ah, that one right there. At this one. So see how that. See how the illustration goes from one page all the way across? So it's oh, one yes, whole picture. Like, That's called a double page spread, and nobody had done that in picture books before Wanda Gog did. Lily, does it feel old-fashioned to you, like you're reading something from a long time ago? Yeah, sort of, because, like, it's black and white. Do you think it would have been better in color? Or do you like it in black and white? I think it would be better in color because then you can see all the colors of the flowers and all the colors of the cats. It would be fun to see all the colors of the cats, wouldn't it? Yeah. Oh, that really would be. For anybody who is interested in a really like deep dive on one particular facet of this book. I found this website called prindleinstitute.org and there's a page on millions of cats and it's about teaching children philosophy. It is amazing the way that they break this down into ethics for kids. They break it down as like beauty as culturally constructed and like some kind of complicated issues but broken down into very kid-friendly nuggets. Mm -hmm. And I think it's kind of more of the same of like how this book is so small and and pretty simple, but also so wildly popular that you can take like this tiny picture book and turn it into this ethical, philosophical, you know, discussion. No, I I think that that's that's one of the interesting things about this book that I think there is a lot packed into it. And that's not always the case with picture books. And that's not wrong. You know, it's not bad that they're not always packed with a lot of stuff. But this one has, I think, an enormous amount of of things that could be studied and perspectives that could be studied from. And I think it's, like, really funny that, like, the man comes with all these cats and, and the... I was like, uh, why did you bring me so many cats? I own this for, like, one. Yeah, but you know what? It's like when I send your dad to the store. Like, sometimes I ask for something, and he sees something at the store that I didn't ask for, but he thinks it might be something I would want, so he brings it home anyway. And sometimes I'm like, yeah, I want that. And sometimes I'm like, uh, that's a terrible idea. <laughs> but people make mistakes, and as long as they can talk to each other about it and come to a good resolution, then it's okay, right? Yeah. I think the one thing that still holds true, though, is that the relationships in here are really good. Like, I know in picture books, which are so short, you don't have a lot of time for character development. And then also in folk tales, often the characters are super flat intentionally. But the fact that this was a, a 
as they repeat often, a very old man and a very old woman. I feel like they've been married for a really long time and they like just get each other and have this relationship because the way that she sends him out for a cat and he comes back with like millions and billions of cats and she's like, uh, no. And he's like, oh, I didn't think of that. Like, just, <laughs> I feel like that's been repeated like for decades and decades in, in different contexts. I just, I found that hilarious. But I think it's also, I, I think it's great that you point that out. I think it's actually a really functional relationship, which I don't think you really see. Like usually there's kind of an unnamed man, unnamed woman. And I mean, I would say usually the the man has been driving the woman to distraction for many, many years. And then, you know, she might berate him when he shows up with all these cats, you know, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I really like that she's like, mm, this isn't a good idea. <laughs> and well, and he can, he's like, oh yeah, you're right. I didn't. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like they've worked out all their stuff. Yeah. They communicate you know? well. So Lily, how, how does this stack up against the other folktales that you've read? When you read a folktale, like sometimes you go like, that happened, but maybe something else could happen instead. And then you think, I should write my own little book. But then you realize, how can I make my own book? I read this, but I want to make a book, but that would take forever. Well, you know, it's funny that you said that because one of the people who was the main reviewers of this book was a librarian in New York named Ann Carol Moore. And when she reviewed this book, she said that the combination of the writing and the illustrations and also the lettering, the hand lettering, would make children feel, I want to make sure I quote this right, but I don't have it in front of me, but would make children feel almost as if they had made this book themselves. So you're not the only person to think that. And honestly, you know, the author and illustrator of this book made this book herself, not thinking that it was going to make her famous, but it made her very famous. So I think anybody can make their own book. You should definitely try. Yes. For a kid to make it, all you have to do is make some paper, like do that. And then if you don't have a stapler, like if you have a stapler, you can just staple it all together. But if you don't, you can use a hole puncher mm-hmm. and like you can just use string. Anybody can make a book, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you you physically can make a book at any time. And then, Lily, as you get older, you'll start learning about something called zines. Oh, yeah. And those are, I mean, they're kind of like magazines, but they're definitely, they're publications that you can make with anything and, you know, at any time that just have your thoughts in them. And that's an easy, really low cost way to share with other people what you're thinking and what you, what you're feeling. Well, thank you for joining us today on the Newberry Tart podcast. Again, we have been reviewing Millions of Cats by Wanda Gogg with our special guest reviewer, Lily. Hi. (laughs) Thank you so much for joining us today. It was really fun having you. Thank you. Thank you, Lily. Bye. Please find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and let us know what you think of the podcast and of this episode. Also, rate and review us on whatever platform you listen. It helps other people find the podcast and helps us keep it going. Thanks for listening. Bye. Production assistance for Newberry Tart is provided by Raphael Siebenman and Liam Grove. Graphic design by Liz Mytinger. Intro and outro by Ariana Hargrave. Theme music for this podcast is provided by the laid-back and local Throckmorton Ukulele Band. 
You can hear more of their music on Facebook. Find more Newberry Tart episodes at iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Our website is Newberry Tart. That's N-E-W-B-E-R-Y-T-A-R-T dot com.